Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. This book, uh, Trusting God, was, uh, comes from uh, Jerry Bridges, who is the author, theologian, uh, publisher, pastor, preacher, author, theologian, all those things, um, when his mom died unexpectedly when he was 14. And that kind of began a lifelong, what he called Bible study, into the sovereignty or the control, the lordship of God, and how pain and suffering and adversity fit in with the will and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And those things that, you know, David mentioned, bad things that happen, and God's will and how those things go together. So that's what the book is about. It will cover a lot more than just that, and we will cover a lot more than just that together. But tonight, I just want to give us an overview of this idea of God's sovereignty. The Hebrew word for sovereignty, if you were to run into that in the Old Testament, is the word shultan. You might not be familiar with that word, but you definitely know the word sultan, right? Which is a Semitic word that has the same origin. Uh, Power, ruler, authority. Okay, so a sultan in the Middle East, as someone who rules over a tribe or a sect or something like that. Now, the Greek word in the New Testament for the sovereignty of God is the word kuriakia, which, if you see the initial word at the beginning, is the word kurios, which is the word Lord. Both just mean uh, dominion, rule, power, authority, And it's not limited to God in the Bible. Uh, Sovereignty can refer to a sovereign king, or as we talked about, a ruler like a sultan or a a tribal leader or one of the judges or uh, the head of the household. There's power, rule, there's authority. There's a sort of sovereignty and governance there. Uh, But specifically, specifically, we're talking about God's sovereignty, his rule, his authority, his power over his created order. And so if we could just boil it down to a simple statement, which we've discussed, is... God is in control, and the rest of the semester is going to be devoted to discovering what does that control mean for God, what does it mean for me, what about free will uh, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to life, when it comes to sin and depravity and wickedness, how does all that mesh with the will and the control and the power and the sovereignty of God? So the question then is raised, God is in control, but is he, what is he in control of? He's in control of what? Uh, number one, God is in control of all creation. God is in control of all creation. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 32. We are going to look at seven scripture references, and I want you to turn there with me so you can see them on your phone or in a, you know, a real Bible. Look at y'all with your real Bible. Good job. Um, would someone volunteer to read for me Jeremiah 32, verse 17? Now read it loud enough for everybody to hear. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Okay. Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. You've made all creation. 
And the, the logical conclusion of that, nothing is then too hard for you. You are the creator. You are the sovereign creator of the universe. Nothing is outside of your control. Nothing is outside of your power. Nothing is too difficult or too hard for you. All right, uh, Colossians chapter 1 in the New Testament. Speaking of Jesus as the creator, but it uh, goes for God's sovereignty as well. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Who uh, can volunteer to read that for me? Loudly. Nicole, thank you. All right. All things were created by, and that's speaking specifically of Jesus as the creator God. Um, and that's a, we go back to the Christology semester we just did and talk about that. But this is about the sovereignty of God as well, his rule over all things. If he created all rulers and all powers and authority. Now, Paul is speaking probably spiritually here about the spiritual realms of authority and power, demonic, angelic, all the above. But also human, and we'll see that in a minute. Uh, Jesus, God in human flesh, is in control of all those things because he created all those things. By nature of his creation of them, he is preeminent and he is in control of those things. So all creation, visible and invisible, physical and spiritual, God is in absolute control over all creation. God is in control over, number two, human history. Human history. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 19. Yeah. The Lord has established his throne, not on earth, but in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all other kingdoms. Okay, by the nature of his throne not being of earth, being in heaven, it rules over all the thrones and the dominions of man. All right, um, everybody turn to Daniel 2. All right, so we kind of hit on creation and another, another theme there too, but right there in the middle, he raises up kings and he brings them down. And if you remember the book of Daniel, uh, all the history that's packed into that book, the fall of Jerusalem um, by the Babylonians, and then the fall of Babylon to the Medes and the Persians. I mean, we're talking about well-known, drastic, epic world history that is happening right here in the pages of the Bible. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, God claims control of that. I raise up kings, and I bring kings down. My kingdom is over all the kingdoms of human history. All right, individuals. God's sovereignty and his control extends to individuals. So it's easy for us to say maybe events are under his control. He is sovereign over history and things that happen. But what about individuals? What about me, my choices, my life, uh, what goes on from day to day, even the things we might consider small? Uh, Psalm 139, verse 16, very familiar psalm to many people. Who will read uh, Psalm 139, verse 16 for us? Barbara, loudly, please. Now, that's some interesting language, isn't it? If we had stopped with, in your book was written, you know, all the days that would happen to me. Now, we could, we could go along with that, couldn't we? God knows what will happen, and let's just stop there. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says the days that were formed for me. They were in God's book before we took our first breath. Uh, Psalm 56, verse 8. Deanne, I saw your hand go up a minute ago, so I want you to read this one for us. Psalm 56, verse 8. Okay? All, all the way down to our tears, our suffering, uh, the trials that we face, they're in God's book. Um, what translation is that? 
NIV, okay. Uh, ESV, I'd have to look at the original and say, you know, what, what's what here. But it's interesting that the ESV says, put my tears in your bottle. Put my tears in your bottle. It's very poetic language, isn't it? But it tells us the same thing. It tells us that God is in control, not just of the things that happen to us, but us. <laughs> and he has formed our days from day to day. And even the things that we consider maybe small that bring sorrow and, and, and sadness and tears, God is in control of them and has a record of them. Whether it's in a bottle or a scroll or a book or whatever, God is, uh, is in control of those things and is aware of those things in our lives, down to our individual suffering and trials. All right, the biggie, and we'll cover this in the course of the book, uh, Salvation. And we just got through looking at this in Romans chapter 9. Why don't you turn there for me, with me, or for me, through me, through me, to me, whatever. Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. So, ultimately speaking, now there's lots of debate we could have about the subcategories here, but ultimately speaking... When it comes to salvation, uh, God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Later, he says, I will harden whom I will harden. And then uh, Paul takes it a step further and says, so it is not of human will or human exertion, but what? God who chooses to show mercy. And of course, that was all of Romans chapter 9. We unpacked that uh, back in November. You can go listen to that. Refresh yourself on that. So let's just boil this down to a paragraph and try to sum it all up together. Now, if what I say here raises questions for the discussion questions you had earlier, just kind of put a dot there. And as we go through the book together and we discuss through the scriptures together, uh, we can think about this over the course of the semester. God's sovereignty is his rule, power, and authority over all things. Nothing is too big nor too small to be outside of his command and control. Nothing happens outside of the divine will and rule of God. Now, notice the, the themes that we've covered there. Nothing is too big. He controls creation, kings and kingdoms and nations and empires. The course of human history itself he's in control of, but nothing is too small down to me, my life, every single day that's laid out before me, my tears, my trials, my suffering, my pain. He's in control of that too. In fact, nothing happens outside of the sovereign will and command and control of God. Now, again, we're going to unpack what that means when it comes to sin and wickedness and evil, uh, because it does raise some questions, doesn't it? In our minds, we naturally have to ask, but what about sin and wickedness and evil. Uh, David's right. We talk about God's will. Of course, those things are not in God's will. Pastor Matt, you just said that everything happens is in God's will. And I can say, yes, it is. And no, it's not at the same time. And we'll just have our little minds blown together later in the semester. Sin, evil, and wickedness. What about those things? Uh, does God want people to sin? No. Are people held responsible for their sin because it's their choice? Absolutely. Does God compel people to sin? No. Okay. Is God still in control? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, what about suffering and pain and death? This one's a little trickier, isn't it? Um, you know, I think Pat Robertson, is he dead? Maybe he's not. I don't know. 
Uh, Pat Robertson got in a little, a little trouble, as do some people in that, that sphere of charismatic Christianity. Um, I think when Katrina happened, do you all remember this? When Katrina happened, and, and he was very quick to say this, this was God's judgment on New Orleans. And uh, maybe it was, but, and, but maybe it wasn't. And so on one hand, you could say, yes, God wills uh, suffering. And uh, Isaiah says chaos and calamity are in God's hands. He's certainly in control of weather and hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and fires and the entire uh, created order. He's in control of those things. So when it comes to suffering in that sense, do we say God causes it? Do we say God merely allows it? God permits it? Uh, what kind of language do we use for that? Well, we'll talk about that later in the book as well. What about in our, in our personal lives, uh, the lives of those we love, pain, suffering, sickness, death? Uh, you know, there are spheres of Pentecostal and charismatic Christianity that will say absolutely, it is not God's will that you should be sick. It is not God's will for you to suffer. It is not God's will for someone to die. And uh, I, don't, I still don't know how they explain the fact that they get sick and they do die, uh, but they'll, they'll say, no, it is not God's will. It is God's will for you to be healed of whatever you're asking healing for. In all cases, at all times, they'll say it is God's will. So how do we deal with that? We say sometimes it is God's will for you to be sick. Sometimes it is God's will for you to suffer. Do we say sometimes it is God's will to heal or to bring restoration in those things? How does that influence how we pray? Um, I think maybe we swing too far to the opposite side and don't ask God for healing for ourselves or for loved ones. We don't ask God for those things. I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks with the name uh, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Um, you, have, you have not, James says, because you ask not. Uh, how often we swing to the opposite side and don't ask because we don't think those things are outside of God's will. Or when we do ask, we feel guilty and we feel like we have to preface it and surround it with, if it's your will. It's like We understand things are going to happen in God's will. We don't have to necessarily say that every time. We can just ask God to bring healing. He will. He does. Okay. So how does that uh, comport with the sovereignty of God? We'll talk about that over the course of the semester. What about the lost and those who reject Jesus? Now, we just read in Romans 9 that salvation happens because God chooses to show mercy. And, um, and then Paul takes it a step further and says he also chooses to harden. So what does that do with free will? What does that do with the human choice to accept Jesus or to reject him? What does God's sovereignty have to say in that equation? Um, are we saved because God merely wills it and we have nothing to do with it? Are we saved uh, because we choose, and that sh therefore causes God to choose us? How does that work with sovereignty and human free will and responsibility? Maybe the biggest question uh, when it comes to God's control and God's sovereignty in all things is just simply why do bad things happen? We're going to leave out to good people because there are no good people, right? Um, why do bad things happen? If God is good and God is in control, and God is all-powerful, and He can do something to alleviate suffering, He can do something to alleviate pain. He could stop it at any moment. Why doesn't He? And uh, we could look at that in the unbelieving world and say, well, I know why He doesn't do it for unbelievers, but why isn't He doing it for me? Why isn't He doing it for my loved one, my mom, my dad, my child, whoever it is that you're praying for that's in a trial or a pain or um, 
on their deathbed. You know, why doesn't God just step in and do something for them? Am, am I not his child? Are they not his child? Why do these bad things happen if God is really in control and if he really is all-powerful? Well, over the, uh, the course of this, this time together, this is the theme of the book, and this is going to be our theme as we study together. God's sovereignty means we can trust him in the good times, the bad times, and even the worst times. If, if, if all this talk about God's sovereignty and his control and uh, predestination and um, God's control over all things, if that just kind of feels a little too weighty and heady for you, think about it in that way. And think about the title of the book and the theme that we're aiming towards. Not just discussing the sovereignty of God and trying to be confused about free will and sovereignty and God's control and man's responsibility, but this very basic, very foundational truth that if God is in control and if God is absolutely sovereign in all things and if nothing happens outside of his command and his rule and his will, then the ultimate hope for us in those things is that we can trust him in all things. Uh, when I say I've got this under control or when you tell someone this is under control, what we mean is we might be able to handle it and we might not. It means we might step in and change something. We might step in and fail. God's control and God's sovereignty is not like that. He does all that he pleases and nothing is too hard for him. And the heart lesson at the end of that is because of that we can trust him. Uh, this is what the author says uh, in the introduction, the preface. You'll read that this week as the purpose of this book. First, I desire to glorify God by acknowledging his sovereignty and his goodness. Second, I desire to encourage God's people by demonstrating from Scripture that God is in control of their lives, that he does indeed love them, and that he works out all the circumstances of their lives for their ultimate good. So if we go back to that last question and the discussion questions and say, well, what does God's sovereignty mean for me? It means very simply, God has a purpose in all things for you. And if the question is, what is that purpose? Listen to how Paul describes it in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, people like to stop there and use that verse as their life verse and just kind of throw it on everything in their lives, not paying attention to what comes next. We like to say God is working this out for my good. What we sometimes mean by that is God is going to make this all all right. He's going to make all the pain go away. He's going to heal my sickness. He's going to answer my prayers the way I want him to. Why? Because he's working all things for my good. And that's not how Paul defines our good. In verse 29, he defines it for us. For those whom he foreknew, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we can say with confidence, God is working everything for his glory 
And God is working everything for my good. What is your good? What is my good? Exactly what the Bible says. To be conformed into the image of Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, that is God's eternal plan for you, that you will be like Jesus. Will it happen fully in this life? No, it will happen that day, First John tells us, when we see him and we're like him because we will see him as he is. On that day, that confirmation into his person, his image, will be complete because we will be complete in him. But until then, we can trust that in the good times and the bad times, on the mountains and the valleys and everywhere in between, everything is happening according to God's sovereign command and will for my life, not just in the world around me, not just in the big things, but in my life, every single day, every single thought, every single word, those days that were written for me before there was any of them. It's all happening for my good to make me more like Jesus and to bring God glory. That's what God's sovereignty means, and because of that, you can trust him. So I hope I've convinced you to get a book. If you don't have a book, you can also just buy it yourself or you can get an ebook online if you want to do that. Uh, but I encourage you to get this book as we'll be going through it together. For next week, read the preface in chapter one. And that will be what our first lesson next Wednesday uh, covers. Okay, I'll have handouts every week and we'll talk through everything every week, but it will uh, greatly help you to read that book together. On your handout at the bottom, there's a section you'll see just titled Reflection. Uh, if you want to, in your, your quiet time uh, with the Lord, go and look at those scriptures that we went through. Maybe think about some of the discussion questions in light of what we read and in light of what we talked about. And maybe write some reflection on that. Uh, I would love to hear from you next week uh, what you reflect on and maybe anything that changed or anything that, was, uh, that stayed the same in your mind as we look at the scriptures and talk about those things. Okay, let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. God, we love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives through him and by the person and presence of your Holy Spirit. I ask that as we embark on this journey together to look at your sovereignty and your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives, you would open our minds, uh, God, as we look at the scriptures, as we consider hard questions about our lives, about the lives of those around us, about the world. God, I ask that you would give us an extra measure of wisdom and understanding to see the truth and to embrace the truth and to submit all of our opinions and all of our thoughts and all of our feelings at the foot of your sovereign control and power of all things. God, you are good. We trust you. We leave all of our lives and all the lives of our loved ones with you. Uh, as we go through this, I ask that you would open our eyes to your goodness and help us to trust you all the more every single day. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.